Well, as Kevin said, uh, my name is Wes Dixon. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm the Youth and Young Adults Pastor at Gateway. So Kevin and I were technically co-workers um, in a sense. And so, yeah, it's my pleasure to be with you guys this morning. So if you, if you haven't been following along so far in the last few weeks, um, this church right here, our, our church at Gateway and actually a, another church in Kitchener there, um, we've been going through a series called Who's Afraid of the Holy Spirit? And the focus has been on, as the title would tell you, the wonderful and yet to many of us mysterious third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to be touching on maybe one of the first places that many of us would kind of connect the Holy Spirit to, and that's the spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I think it's funny that we're in a series called Who's Afraid of the Holy Spirit? Because um, this topic that we're talking about today, the spiritual gifts, is probably the part of the Spirit that we're most comfortable with um, as a church because we've kind of systematized it. Um, if you haven't been around the church for a while, if you're new, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Um, but we have things called like spiritual gifts tests that you can take to help see and discover the gifts that God has given you. Um, now, I'll tip my hand. I have always had a distaste for these kind of tests. And, and, and look, I'll, I'll let you know, I just kind of have a bias in general against even things like personality tests. It just kind of feels weird to me to kind of box people into these weird categories when I find the whole of a person is so much more than these descriptions can give. And I, I so often feel that at times these tests can almost be like horoscope-like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know how in horoscopes they give you a very vague and, and positive description of people depending on their sign, but these descriptions could actually really line up with anybody. You know, for example, you know, as a Gemini, you're a confident and a bold person who loves a good night out with good friends and good food. And it's like, yeah, sure. I, I like friends. I like food. I, I like to be seen as confident. And in the same way, I think personality tests at times kind of verge on this vague level of positivity. Now, look, I, I, I do understand these tests, they have empirical backing to them. Like I know some of you in the congregation are maybe sitting there saying, well, of course, Wes is saying that he's obviously an Enneagram 63 wing purple, right? Like <laughs> some, of you, some of you are saying that, right? That's what you're thinking right now. Um, look, I, I get it. These tests, they have value. They're based on years of study. There's empirical backing. And look, in the same way, spiritual tests, they, they clearly are helpful tools. Um, but I think as this kind of sphere of the global church, we've kind of taken away of maybe the mystery and the wonder and the awe that the gifts of the Spirit should actually inspire with us, within us. And so given this today, instead of going through a bit of like a gifts inventory and walking through each gift, I want to dive into the gifts as a whole. I want to look at what they are and what they're for, and hopefully remind us that these are mysterious and wonderful empowerments of the Spirit. And so the main focus for us today is going to be around two questions. The first is this, very simply, what are the gifts of the Spirit and what are they for? That's it. That's all we're talking about. And are they simply a catalog of, of things that the Spirit does through us, right? Are they maybe Paul's version of the Enneagram or is there something more to them? Is there something about them that maybe we've been missing? And to begin to answer this question today, I want to turn to what is the largest and most exhaustive statement um, on the spiritual gifts that we have in the scriptures. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to be reading from verses 4 to 14 this morning. But before we open our Bibles, so go ahead if you have your Bibles, you can do that. We're going to be there in a moment. Um, let me give you a quick reminder of who the Corinthians are and why the Apostle Paul is writing to them. Um, so we've got some quick context here. Uh, the church in Corinth was a church that was started by the Apostle Paul in, the sec in his second missionary journey. Now, Paul planted many churches and he wrote many letters to them, uh, but the letters to the church in Corinth are, are a little unique compared to his other letters, and I'll show you why. Um, this is a joke you see online every once in a while, but loosely, 
Um, every Pauline letter has a five-part outline, and it goes like this. One, grace and peace, okay? Um, that's the classic Pauline intro. Two, I thank God for you. Um, you that Paul always encourages his writers. He holds them in prayer. Three, hold fast to the gospel. This is Paul's exhortation, what he bases his letter in. Four, for the love of everything, stop being stupid. After you get the carrot, you get the stick with Paul. And then number five, Timothy says hi. That's, that's pretty much a Pauline letter in a nutshell, Okay. I highlight this outline as just a silly way um, to help you understand the tenor of the book of Corinthians, okay? 80% or so um, of First and Second Corinthians is number four, okay? Um, Paul loved the church in Corinth, uh, but they were very much his troubled child, okay? And the reason this is important to know is that much of what we read in the letters to the Corinthian church are, are in response to some kind of an issue or some kind of a problem or some kind of an abuse, Okay, so today, for example, as we open to chapter 12, we see Paul has this lengthy treatise on the spiritual gifts. And this tells us that something was wrong with how the Corinthian church was stepping into and understanding these gifts. And so keep that in mind as we read this passage, that there is a particular problem or problems, plural, that Paul is addressing here. And these problems actually will inform us on what Paul is saying today. Okay, um, with this in mind, we're going to go to chapter 12, uh, verses 4 to 14, um, and they read like this. They'll be on the screen as well. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So, Paul begins his statement on the gifts here. Again, this is a massive statement on it with a three-part kind of repetitious reminder of where the gifts come from. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Paul's point here is wonderfully simple. It is God himself, through his spirit, um, that gives us the gifts of the spirit as we know them. But just um, what are these gifts? That's the question we want to talk about today. And I think our first clue is actually found in our first verse. Paul says there are different kind of gifts given to the believers by the Spirit. The word for gifts right there in the Greek is charisma. You can see this is where we get our word charisma and charismatic. That's what we call um, people, Christians, who kind of focus on the Spirit, maybe charismatic Christians. Um, the literal word charisma, though, it's translated as grace gift. Because the root of the word there, charis, means grace. And this is why so often we translate this word as a gift. A gift is something that is given to someone uh, most often without relation to what a person has done. If you give a treat or a prize to someone for what they've done, that, that's a reward. But a gift, it's unmerited. It, it's not actually earned. 
Uh, I have a friend, his name is Sawyer. He's a pastor at uh, Bayview Glen, in, in, uh, which is an alliance church in Toronto. And he went to North Korea a few years back on a missions trip. And during it, they met a contact in North Korea given to them by the government because anybody who comes in, they always do that. Um, over time, Sawyer's group kind of developed a bit of a friendship with this person. Um, and eventually they found out it was her birthday during the time that they were there. And so to celebrate this woman, they bought her just a few small gifts and a little cake and they gave it to her one night. And in response, immediately... As soon as they put the gifts on the table and the cake there, she, she burst into tears. You see, gifts, especially for, for the common people within North Korea, are actually very uncommon. What you receive and how you're celebrated there is directly connected to what you do. It's always a reward there, nearly always anyways. And so for her to receive these items, completely unmerited, to receive a gift on her birthday, especially from somebody of a different nationality and from people who weren't related to her, was frankly, in her mind, incredible unbelievable. She was shown value and worth for just being who she was, and that was overwhelming. And the word charisma gets at this idea. The Spirit's work in your life, the gifts He gives to you, they're unmerited. That's the idea behind a gift. You do not deserve the spiritual gifts because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. The presence of the spirits and and the gifts that he brings, whatever that may be, they're not given to you because you've been particularly holy enough or because you've pleased God enough. Yes, look, we we should seek to be holy as God is. That's what the scripture said. We should seek to please him. And, And yes, intimacy with God can actually help us as we pursue the presence of the spirit in our lives. Intimacy with God helps us in our pursuit of the gifts. But look, the gifts given by the spirit are first and foremost unmerited. They are gifts of grace to you. When you have faith in what Jesus has done, when you count yourself a follower of his, the scriptures say that we receive the Spirit of God as a literal down payment or a confirmation of our salvation. And that's all through grace. And in the same way, Paul, in using this word, is saying that this same Spirit gives us gifts of empowerment now in that exact same grace. And this is, this is, I think, super important to note. I think these, in our church especially, the gifts, they're not just for professional Christians or experienced believers. They're for all believers at all times. Listen to me here. If you're a new believer in Jesus, God has given you gifts to bless his church. If you're a believer who has been struggling in their faith, in their walk, but who is holding on and daily working to become more and more like Jesus, God has actually also given you gifts as well through his spirit. The gifts are what they sound like, guys. They're gifts. They're unmerited. They're undeserved, but they're freely given through God's spirit. Interestingly, though, Paul actually uses another descriptor of the gifts. Um, In verse 7, he notes this. He says, look, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. This word manifestation is kind of the sit-in word for the gifts this time, and it actually sheds light on what these gifts are. Uh, To manifest something is to make it appear. The literal literal translation here would be to, to bring something to light, and that's what is happening in the gifts of the Spirit. They're a tangible expression of the Spirit. Uh, Rather than being from human origin, these gifts are unmistakably from the Spirit. They're moments or situations where you can't help but see what a person is doing is something that they should not naturally be able to do. 
And we see this most clearly with the gifts that we, could be, that we would consider to be more miraculous. Think of something like tongues, right? Speaking another language out of the blue is something that is obviously and unmistakably a work of the Spirit. That's an obvious example. But you see, this is also true in a host of other gifts, specifically gifts that we would consider to be less miraculous, although that's, that's an oxymoron. Um, the wife of uh, the pastor at my old church, for example, had this gift of encouragement. She was a joy to be around, but not just in the way that you might enjoy somebody with maybe a nice personality. She was always to you a source of hope and life, and the words she brought you were a source of life as well. Uh, the Spirit was at work in her. There are a number in our youth ministry at Gateway with the gift of service. There's a certain blonde-haired and bearded member of our team who has just this supernatural level of energy and enthusiasm in seeing these events come together. He is quietly the backbone and maybe secret youth pastor of our ministry. And the only explanation that I can give to you as I watch this person work and serve and care for our ministry is that he's filled with the Spirit. It's the only thing I'm telling you. And this actually lines up with what we see Paul is saying in the scriptures today, right? In verse 8, he begins to to list the gifts, but pay attention to what's repeated to time after time after time. I'm going to read it here. It says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of, t- of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Remember when I said that this was written to the church in Corinth. And Paul wrote this letters because they were having trouble with many things, including the gifts. As far as we can tell, one of the main issues in the church of Corinth, as you read their letters, was hierarchy and division. And we see this when Paul talks to them about the Lord's Supper. Some people are getting more than others because they think they're more important. And we seemingly see this also with the gifts. Some seem to be considering themselves more important because of the gifts that they have. or perhaps maybe they're, they're trying to raise themselves up with the gifts that they have. Whatever be the case, this should actually affect how we read this passage right here. You see, we often view this as a list of gifts, a, a catalog of maybe how we can see the Spirit work in our lives, but that's actually not Paul's point at all. Um, this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. In Romans, you see more gifts. In Ephesians, you see different gifts. Paul lists different ones. So the point isn't to give you a catalog of the spiritual gifts. Again, look for the repetition. Paul lists these different gifts, but with a resounding emphasis on where they come from. Uh, It's from the same spirit. It's from the same spirit, from the one spirit. And then when he thinks you've got it, when he thinks you've understand, understood this, because he's repeated it time after time, he lists a bunch more gifts with the conclusion that you should now be able to draw yourselves. These gifts are all unmistakably from the spirit, every single one of them, so that nobody can boast. And the list could go on for Paul, but the point of this is to say that the gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. There there are moments when the Spirit unmistakably appears in a person's life in a particular way. It's not about the person, but it's about the, the Spirit. In essence, Paul is saying, you're not special. The Spirit is what is special within you, and He is the one who is within all believers at all times. And so to sum it up, as we asked at the start, what are the spiritual gifts? Well, they are unmerited, 
and unmistakable empowerments from the Spirit. There, there are moments when the Spirit unmistakably appears in a person's life in a particular way, and they are as they are described. They're gifts. They are undeniably of God and His Spirit, and they're given by God to each of His children as He pleases. Now, the latter half of this message is going to be dedicated to the second question that we originally posed, okay? So that's great. We know what the gifts are. What are they for? What's the point of them? It's great. The Spirit gives us gifts, but what do we, what do, we do with these gifts? Well, our, our verse that we originally looked at there, verse 7 with the manifestation there, it actually gets at this. Paul says this, now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's for the common good that Paul says we're given the gifts. And so he goes on to list a bunch of them in verses 8 to 11, like we just read. But whose common good are these gifts given for? Well, Paul makes it clear as he goes on. It's for the body, the church, your fellow believers. It's for us. That's who the gifts are for. Paul, shortly after this passage, pivots to an analogy of a body. And his point, in essence, is that God has given us each unique gift's from the Spirit to serve and support the body of Christ, just as a body part does with the rest of a body. Uh, take a look further down at verse 12. Paul says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. The idea here that Paul's getting at is that there is harmony that is actually found as people, the church, work together. We rely on each other. Um, for example, though we might all be called to read and share the scriptures, not all of us are called to be teachers necessarily with a particular gift from the Spirit. And, and that's okay. We've all been given different gifts to serve the body. Um, years ago, I was at a conference in Montreal and I was asked to be uh, the speaker there. And I remember being nervous thinking, man, like, did they choose the right person? Like, I don't know if I'm the right person for this. Is God even going to show up? Um, and the conference, it actually ended up going really well. And I ended up calming down and I, I spoke what God shared with me. But do you, do you want to know what calmed me down that day? It was three elderly women from Orangeville, Ontario, who showed up at that conference. Um, they drove down to that conference because they were convinced that they were called by God to pray in faith for that conference for every leader and student there. And it didn't take me long to realize that although they were three small and frail old ladies, physically, um, spiritually, it was like Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, and George Foreman walking into the room every time they showed up. Their ministry and their gifts blessed me and the students. They prayed for me multiple times and had faith even when I didn't, that God was about to move. Their gifts allowed me to use mine. I, I put it like this. If they didn't show up and use their gifts, I, I, I don't even know if the conference would have gone well. I'm that serious. It's as Paul says, there, there is one body, but many parts. Our gifts and the leader's gifts from that weekend came together to bless the students. Again, the, the key here is that this is for the common good. We, we do it for each other. This is why in the very next chapter, which is actually probably the most famous chapter in the whole of the scriptures, um, it's, it's attached to the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is what we call the love chapter. The chapter maybe most used in weddings, maybe you used it in yours. It's actually grounded in the spiritual gifts, that conversation. And we see this early on. Paul says this, he says look, in verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, well, I'm a resounding gong or a clinging symbol. 
If I have the gift of tongues, an unmistakable gift of the Spirit, but I do not have love, if I don't do it with the common good in mind, if I don't do it with the goal of edifying the body, then Paul says I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you can imagine here on a scale on one side is, is noise, just kind of useless, unordered noise. Think of a jackhammer. And on the other side is maybe like ordered sound, right? Beethoven's ninth. And in the middle, you know, is maybe like the bagpipes, the missing link between noise and sound. Paul's point, Paul's point is that you're over on the jackhammer side if you're not doing this for the common good, even if you have tongues. You're annoying. You're, you're, you're pointless and useless if, if you have a gift but have no love. He continues on in this firm language. He says in verse 2, look, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that could move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. Paul imagines uh, the most incredible gift of prophecy, somebody who literally knows everything, all mysteries, all knowledge, but he imagines them as not having love, as not seeking out the common good and not seeking out the betterment of those around him with the gifts. And his conclusion is that this person is nothing. Those are strong words. The gifts of the Spirit are freely given and unmistakably so from God himself, but we still need to use them in the right context. And that's for the common good of the church. Bimbrook, each of you has been given a gift from the Spirit to serve the church. And these gifts, they actually find their proper places or their homes when we use them from the common good of the body. When we bless people with them, that's when the Spirit is actually honored. When we use our gifts to serve and love one another, that's actually what, what literally keeps the church afloat. I mean, why do you guys listen to Kevin after these five and a half years here at Pembroke? Is it because of his amazingly well-kept facial hair? Is it because when I try to grow my facial hair, I look like an Amish teenager? No, that's, that's not the reason that you listen to Kevin, though it's a plus for sure. He's a good-looking guy, okay? You come back and listen to Kevin each week because he has a gift of teaching that he uses for the common good of the body, right? When he speaks here on a Sunday, he is exercising a gift so clearly given by the Spirit, but he does so out of a love for you guys, the church. And that's why we keep listening. It's not about the gift itself, but how it's used. And this is Paul's point here for us as well. It's, it's, it's not about the gift or the gifts that you've been given, but it's about how you use them. And so very simply, what are the gifts for? They're, they're for our good. The church is a symbiotic organism, like a body. It's made up of different parts that are all dependent on each other. And a church will rise and fall in connection with how well its members are serving each other in their gifts for the common good. Now, there's one last point I want to make as we kind of wrap up today from this text, uh, and it's about what the gifts are for, and I, I want to jump back to the first verses that we start with. I'm going to read it again. Paul writes this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. You see, underneath this statement, as you quickly read it, read it, is this incredible, incredible idea that Paul is trying to get across. What Paul is saying here is as we step into the gifts of the Spirit, um, we actually reflect 
most accurately the person of God himself. We reflect the Trinity. Take a look at these first verses. The refrain is that there are many gifts or services or workings, but Paul actually changes the source of them every time. Um, There are many gifts from the Spirit, many services from the Lord, and many workings from God. The source um, of these acts that happen, these empowerments, these works, is threefold, Spirit, Lord, and God. There is a subtle and quiet Trinitarian expression from Paul. Uh, The word for God there, that's, that's theos. This is the most commonly used word for the Father in the Gospels and much of Paul's letters. The word Lord is actually identified in verse three. You can read it in your Bibles if you're holding it there. Um, It's Jesus. Paul is clearly talking about Jesus when he uses that word. And so in other words, there are many works, services, and gifts within the church all given to us by who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the diversity of gifts within the one body or church, this is actually a reflection of God himself, the Trinity, the Godhead, that there are three persons, each fully God, and there is one God, is a reflection of unity within diversity. And though it's in a different way, and this is an analogy or a reflection that only goes so far, it's still true that the church is an illustration of this same unity within diversity. There are many believers each given different gifts by the Spirit, but there is one church under the head who is Christ. And this is important for us to note because if this is true, the gifts of the Spirit are not just a list of things that we can do or be, but rather they are actually a reflection of God himself. Every time you use your gifts to edify and build up the body, every time you lean on the power of the Spirit to bless or to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you reflect to the church and to the very world around you most accurately who God is. Every time someone with the gift of encouragement lifts up another believer in Christ. Every time someone with the gift of prophecy shares a word, every time someone with the gift of teaching shares from the scriptures, every time someone with the gift of faith holds fast to the promises of God, the truth and mystery of God is proclaimed and he is glorified. Every time. And so, the gifts of the Spirit, what are they for? They're they're for our good and God's glory. These are not small things, the gifts. These are not just a list of things that you can be or not be, but they are the very lifeblood of the church. They nourish us and give praise to God every single time we step into them. And so, Bimbrook, I think there's two responses here that are key in light of what we've talked about today. Number one is, what are you waiting for then? Like in all seriousness, if you're sitting here as a believer in Christ and you don't know what your gift is or you do and you're not using it, my question is, what are you waiting for? This is how we do life in the church. To to be frank, this is how we exist. If you're looking to discover, you're sitting here, if you're looking to discover what your gift is, you're saying, Wes, I have no idea what my gift is, then you got to figure it out. And the two most important things that you can do to figure out your gift is number one, you gotta pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you what your giftings are. And then number two, it's to get onto the playing field. In your small groups, in your ministry teams, in your communities, with your fellow believers, wherever you are, you need to get in there and you need to start serving right now. You will not know what the Spirit has empowered you to do until you begin to pursue the common good of the body. Look to, in love, serve those around you, and I I promise you, I, I absolutely guarantee you, the Lord will lead you to where he desires to empower you. I promise. It's a guarantee. 
Okay, secondly, though, and finally, I think in light of what we've talked about today, our response needs to be worship. Like, man, in light of the triune God who, who richly gives us his power through the Spirit, who has ordered things so beautifully in a way that actually reflects his own beauty, like Bimberg, how can we not sing his praises? So I'm, I'm going to invite the team up uh, right now to, to sing. Um, yeah, but let me conclude in prayer here, and then, then let's sing together to the Lord who deserves it. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance to gather together. Thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit, who you so freely give to us, God. Uh, we don't deserve it, God. We don't deserve you. Uh, but God, you treat us uh, as your children in spite of everything we've done. Lord, you were so good. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray now uh, that you would come and fill every believer in here, God, with your Spirit. Uh, Father, for those who don't yet know what their giftings are, who don't yet know where you're calling uh, them to serve, Father, I pray that you would make clear, God, starting today, like there would be an actual change, God, in their thinking, God, in their, yeah, as they just listen to you, God, would you just give them a sense of where you're calling them to? Uh, Father, for the rest of us who maybe know what our gifts are, who maybe know how you, have you empowered us, how you're looking to empower us, Father, we pray, God, that you would, yeah, help us to step into that, God. Father, help us to not be lazy as we so often can be, God. Help us to not be so busy as we so often find ourselves, God. But help us to serve and edify your body. Lord, yeah, I pray you just like ignite a fire and a burning passion for that, God. I pray over the church here, the well. God, that they would just be known as a people who love each other well. And that the gifts would just be an expression of this love. Lord, as they serve one another, as they serve with their community, God, would you empower them for that? We pray this in your son's name. Amen.